Section 24, Part 3, Chapter 8 of Atlantis, the Antediluvian World by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Apfelstadt. Atlantis, the Antediluvian World by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly. Part 3, Chapter 8, The Bronze Age in Europe There exists in Europe the evidences of three different ages of human development. 1. The Stone Age, which dates back to a vast antiquity. It is subdivided into two periods, an age of rough stone implements, and a later age when these implements were ground smooth and made in improved forms. 2. The Bronze Age, when the great mass of implements were manufactured of a compound metal consisting of about nine parts of copper and one part of tin. 3. An age when iron superseded bronze for weapons and cutting tools, although bronze still remained in use for ornaments. This age continued down to what we call the historical period and embraces our present civilization. Its more ancient remains are mixed with coins of the Gauls, Greeks, and Romans. The Bronze Period has been one of the perplexing problems of European scientists. Articles of bronze are found over nearly all that continent, but in a special abundance in Ireland and Scandinavia. They indicate very considerable refinement and civilization upon the part of the people who made them and a wide diversity of opinion has prevailed as to who that people were and where they dwelt. In the first place, it was observed that the age of bronze, a compound of copper and tin, must, in the natural order of things, have been preceded by an age when copper and tin were used separately, before the ancient metallurgists had discovered the art of combining them. And yet in Europe the remains of no such age have been found. Sir John Lubbock says, Prehistoric Times, page 59, The absence of implements made either of copper or tin seems to me to indicate that the art of making bronze was introduced into, not invented in, Europe. The absence of articles of copper is especially marked. Nearly all the European specimens of copper implements have been found in Ireland. And yet, out of 1,283 articles of the Bronze Age in the Great Museum at Dublin, only 30 celts and one sword blade are said to be made of pure copper, and even as to some of these there seems to be a question. Where, on the face of the earth, are we to find a copper age? Is it in the barbaric depths of that Asia, out of whose uncivilized tribes all civilization is said to have issued? By no means. Again, we are compelled to turn to the West. In America, from Bolivia to Lake Superior, we find everywhere the traces of a long-enduring copper age. Bronze existed, it is true, in Mexico, but it held the same relation to the copper as copper held to the bronze in Europe. It was the exception as against the rule. And among the Chippeways on the shores of Lake Superior, and among them alone, we find any traditions of the origin of the manufacture of copper implements. And on the shores of that lake we find pure copper, out of which the first metal tools were probably hammered before man had learned to reduce the ore or run the metal into molds. 
and on the shores of the same american lake we find the ancient mines from which some people thousands of years ago derived their supplies of copper implements and ornaments of the bronze age sir w r wilde says it is remarkable that so few antique copper implements have been found in europe although a knowledge of that metal must have been the preliminary stage in the manufacture of bronze he thinks that this may be accounted for by supposing that but a short time elapsed between the knowledge of smelting and casting copper ore and the introduction of tin and the subsequent manufacture and use of bronze but here we have in america the evidence that thousands of years must have elapsed during which copper was used alone before it was discovered that by adding one-tenth part of tin it gave a harder edge and produced a superior metal the bronze age cannot be attributed to the roman civilization sir john lubbock shows prehistoric times page twenty one that bronze weapons have never been found associated with roman coins or pottery or other remains of the roman period that bronze articles have been found in the greatest abundance in countries like ireland and denmark which were never invaded by roman armies and that the character of the ornamentation of the works of bronze is not roman in character and that the roman bronze contained a large proportion of lead which is never the case in that of the bronze age it has been customary to assume that the bronze age was due to the phoenicians but of late the highest authorities have taken issue with this opinion sir john lubbock ibid page seventy three gives the following reasons why the phoenicians could not have been the authors of the bronze age first the ornamentation is different in the bronze age this always consisted of geometrical figures and we rarely if ever find upon them representations of animals and plants while on the ornamented shields etc described by homer as well as in the decoration of solomon's temple animals and plants were abundantly represented the cuts on page two forty two will show the character of the ornamentation of the bronze age in the next place the form of burial is different in the bronze age from that of the phoenicians in the third place the phoenicians so far as we know them were well acquainted with the use of iron in homer we find the warriors already armed with iron weapons and the tools used in preparing the materials for solomon's temple were of this metal this view is also held by monsieur de fallenberg in the bulletin de la société des sciences of Bern. see smithsonian rep eighteen sixty five to sixty six page three eighty three he says ornaments of the bronze age it seems surprising that the nearest neighbors of the phoenicians the greeks the egyptians the etruscans and the romans should have manufactured plumiferous bronzes while the phoenicians carried to the people of the north only pure bronzes without the alloy of lead if the civilized people of the mediterranean added lead to their bronzes it can scarcely be doubted that the calculating phoenicians would have done as much and at least with distant and half-civilized tribes have replaced the more costly tin by the cheaper metal on the whole then i consider that the first knowledge of bronze may have been conveyed to the populations of the period tinder review not only by the phoenicians but by other civilized people dwelling more to the southeast professor e de Sor, in his work on the lacustrian constructions of the lake of neuchatel says the phoenicians certainly knew of the use of iron and it can scarcely be conceived why they should have excluded it from their commerce on the scandinavian coasts 
The Etruscans, moreover, were acquainted with the use of iron as well as the Phoenicians, and it has already been seen that the composition of their bronzes is different, since it contained lead, which is entirely a stranger to our bronze epoch. We must look, then, beyond the Etruscans and the Phoenicians in attempting to identify the commerce of the Bronze Age of our Palafites. It will be the province of the historian to inquire whether, exclusive of the Phoenicians and Carthaginians, there may not have been some maritime and commercial people who carried on a traffic through the ports of Liguria with the populations of the Age of Bronze of the lakes of Italy before the discovery of iron. We may remark in passing that there is nothing to prove that the Phoenicians were the first navigators. History, on the contrary, positively mentions prisoners under the name of Tokari, who were vanquished in a naval battle fought by Ramses III in the 13th century before our era, and whose physiognomy, according to Morton, would indicate the Celtic type. Now there is room to suppose that if these Tokari were energetic enough to measure their strength on the sea with one of the powerful kings of Egypt, they must, with stronger reason, have been in a condition to carry on a commerce along the coast of the Mediterranean and perhaps of the Atlantic. If such a commerce really existed before the time of the Phoenicians, it would not be limited to the southern slope of the Alps. It would have extended also to the people of the Age of Bronze in Switzerland. The introduction of the Age of Bronze would thus ascend to a very high antiquity, doubtless beyond the limits of the most ancient European races. For the merchants of the Bronze Age, we must look beyond even the Tokari, who were contemporaries of the Phoenicians. The Tokari, we have seen, are represented as taken prisoners in a sea fight with Ramses III of the 20th dynasty about the 13th century B.C. They are probably the Tokari of Strabo. The accompanying figure represents one of these people as they appeared upon the Egyptian monuments. See Knot and Glidden's Types of Mankind, page 108. Here we have not an inhabitant of Atlantis, but probably a representative of one of the mixed races that sprung from its colonies. Dr. Morton thinks these people, as painted on the Egyptian monuments, to have strong Celtic features. Those familiar with the Scotch Highlanders may recognize a speaking likeness. It is at least interesting to have a portrait of one of the daring race who more than 3,000 years ago left the west of Europe in their ships to attack the mighty power of Egypt. They were troublesome to the nations of the east for many centuries, for in 700 B.C. we find them depicted on the Assyrian monuments. This figure represents one of the Tokari at the time of Sennacherib. It will be observed that the headdress, apparently of feathers, is the same in both portraits, although separated by a period of six hundred years. It is more reasonable to suppose that the authors of the Bronze Age of Europe were the people described by Plato, who were workers in metal, who were highly civilized, who preceded in time all the nations which we call ancient. It was this people who passed through an age of copper before they reached the age of bronze, and whose colonies in America represented this older form of metallurgy as it existed for many generations. Professor Desor says, We are asked if the preparation of bronze was not an indigenous invention which had originated on the slope of the Alps. In this idea we acquiesced for a moment, but we are met by the objection that, if this were so, the natives, like the ancient tribes of America, would have commenced by manufacturing utensils of copper. 
yet thus far no utensils of this metal have been found except a few in the strand of lake garda the great majority of metallic objects is of bronze which necessitated the employment of tin and this could not be obtained except by commerce inasmuch as it is a stranger to the alps it would appear therefore more natural to admit that the art of combining tin with copper in other words that the manufacture of bronze was of foreign importation he then shows that although copper ores are found in the alps the probability is that even the copper also was of foreign importation now in view of the prodigious quantities of bronze manufactured at that epoch this single branch of commerce must itself have necessitated the most incessant commercial communications and as this commerce could not as we have seen been carried on by the romans greeks etruscans or phoenicians because their civilizations flourished during the iron age to which this age of bronze was anterior where then are we to look for a great maritime and commercial people who carried vast quantities of copper tin and bronze unalloyed by the lead of the south of europe to denmark norway sweden ireland england france spain switzerland and italy where can we find them save in that people of atlantis whose ships docks canals and commerce provoked the astonishment of the ancient egyptians as recorded by plato the toltec root for water is atoll the peruvian word for copper is ante from which probably the andes derived their name as there was a province of ante on their slopes may it not be that the name of atlantis is derived from these originals and signified the copper island or the copper mountains in the sea and from these came the thousands of tons of copper and tin that must during the bronze age have been introduced into europe there are no ancient works to indicate that the tin mines of cornwall were worked for any length of time in the early days see prehistoric times page seventy four Morlot has pointed out that the bronze implements of Hallstatt in Austria were of foreign origin because they contained no lead or silver. Or, if we are to seek for the source of the vast amounts of copper brought into Europe somewhere else than in Atlantis, may it not be that these supplies were drawn in large part from the shores of Lake Superior in America? The mining operations of some ancient people were there carried on upon a gigantic scale, not only along the shores of the lake, but even far out upon its islands. At Isle Royale, vast works were found, reaching to a depth of sixty feet. Great intelligence was shown in following up the richest veins, even when interrupted. The excavations were drained by underground drains on three sections of land on this island the amount of mining exceeded that mined in twenty years in one of our largest mines with a numerous force constantly employed in one place the excavations extended in a nearly continuous line for two miles no remains of the dead and no mounds are found near these mines it would seem therefore that the miners came from a distance and carried their dead back with them henry gilman smithsonian rep eighteen seventy three page three eighty seven supposes that the curious so-called garden beds of michigan were the fields from which they drew their supplies of food he adds the discoveries in isle royale throw a new light on the character of the mound builders giving us a totally distinct conception of them and dignifying them with something of the prowess and spirit of adventure which we associate with the higher races the copper 
the result of their mining to be available must in all probability have been conveyed in vessels great or small across a treacherous and stormy sea whose dangers are formidable to us now being dreaded even by our largest craft and often proving their destruction leaving their homes those men dared to face the unknown to brave the hardships and perils of the deep and of the wilderness actuated by an ambition which we to-day would not be ashamed to acknowledge such vast works in so remote a land must have been inspired by the commercial necessities of some great civilization and why not by that ancient and mighty people who covered europe asia and africa with their manufacturers of bronze and who possessed as plato tells us enormous fleets trading to all parts of the inhabited world whose cities roared with the continual tumult of traffic whose dominion extended to italy and egypt and who held parts of the great opposite continent of america under their control a continuous waterway led from the island of atlantis to the gulf of mexico and thence up the mississippi river and its tributaries almost to these very mines of lake superior arthur mitchell says the past in the present page one thirty two the discovery of bronze and the knowledge of how to make it may as a mere intellectual effort be regarded as rather above than below the effort which is involved in the discovery and use of iron as regards bronze there is first the discovery of copper and the way of getting it from its ore then the discovery of tin and the way to get it from its ore and then the further discovery that by an admixture of tin with copper in proper proportions an alloy with the qualities of a hard metal can be produced it is surely no mistake to say that there goes quite as much thinking to this as to the getting of iron from its ore and the conversion of that iron into steel there is a considerable leap from stone to bronze but the leap from bronze to iron is comparatively small it seems highly improbable if not altogether absurd that the human mind at some particular stage of its development should here there and everywhere independently and as the result of reaching that stage discover that an alloy of copper and tin yields a hard metal useful in the manufacture of tools and weapons there is nothing analogous to such an occurrence in the known history of human progress it is infinitely more probable that bronze was discovered in one or more centers by one or more men and that its first use was solely in such center or centers that the invention should then be perfected and its various applications found out and that it should thereafter spread more or less broadly over the face of the earth is a thing easily understood we will find the knowledge of bronze wherever the colonies of atlantis extend and nowhere else and plato tells us that the people of atlantis possessed and used that metal the indications are that the bronze age represented the coming in of a new people a civilized people with that era it is believed appears in europe for the first time the domesticated animals the horse the ox the sheep the goat and the hog Morlow, Smithsonian Rep., 1860, page 311. It was a small race with very small hands. This is shown in the size of the sword hilts. They are not large enough to be used by the present races of Europe. They were a race with long skulls, as contradistinguished from the round heads of the stone period. The drawings on the following page represent the types of the two races skulls of the age of stone denmark 
this people must have sent out colonies to the shores of france spain italy ireland denmark and norway who bore with them the arts and implements of civilized life they raised crops of grain as is proved by the bronze sickles found in different parts of europe it is not even certain that their explorations did not reach to iceland says humboldt when the northmen first landed in iceland a d eight seventy five although the country was uninhabited they found there irish books mass bells and other objects which had been left behind by earlier visitors called the papar these papai fathers were the clerici of daikul if then as we may suppose from the testimony here referred to these objects belonged to irish monks papar who had come from the faroe islands why should they have been termed in the native sagas westmen vestmen who had come over the sea from the westward comer til vesten um hof humboldt's cosmos volume two page two thirty eight if they came from the west they could not have come from ireland and as the scandinavians may easily have mistaken atlantean books and bells for irish books and mass bells they do not say that there were any evidences that these relics belonged to a people who had recently visited the island and as they found the island uninhabited it would be impossible for them to tell how many years or centuries had elapsed since the books and bells were left there the fact that the implements of the bronze age came from some common center and did not originate independently in different countries is proved by the striking similarity which exists between the bronze implements of the region as widely separated as switzerland ireland denmark and africa it is not to be supposed that any overland communication existed in that early age between these countries and the coincidence of design which we find to exist can only be accounted for by the fact that the articles of bronze were obtained from some sea-going people who carried on a commerce at the same time with all those regions celts compare for instance these two decorated bronze celts the first from ireland the second from denmark and then compare both these with a stone celt found in a mound in tennessee given below here we have the same form precisely leaf-shaped bronze swords compare the bronze swords in the four preceding illustrations from ireland sweden switzerland and denmark and then observe the same very peculiar shape the leaf shape as it is called in the stone sword from big harpeth river tennessee we shall find as we proceed that the phoenicians were unquestionably identified with atlantis and that it was probably from atlantis they derived their god baal or bel or el whose name crops out in the bel of the babylonians the elohim and the beelzebub of the jews and the allah of the arabs and we find that this great deity whose worship extended so widely among the mediterranean races was known and adored also upon the northern and western coasts of europe professor nielsen finds traces of baal worship in scandinavia he tells us that the festival of baal or balder was celebrated on midsummer's night in scania and far up into norway almost to the lofoden islands until within the last fifty years the feast of baal or beltine was celebrated in ireland to a late period 
i argue from these facts not that the worship of baal came to ireland and norway from assyria or arabia but that the same great parent race which carried the knowledge of baal to the mediterranean brought it also to the western coasts of europe and with the adoration of baal they imported also the implements of bronze now found in such abundance in those regions the same similarity of form exists in the bronze knives from denmark and switzerland as represented in the illustrations on page two fifty four in the central figure we have a representation of an egyptian-looking man holding a cup before him we shall see as we proceed that the magnetic needle or mariner's compass dates back to the days of hercules and that it consisted of a bar of magnetized iron floating upon a piece of wood in a cup it is possible that in this ancient relic of the bronze age we have a representation of the magnetic cup the magnetic needle must certainly have been an object of great interest to a people who through its agency were able to carry on commerce on all the shores of europe from the mediterranean to the baltic the second knife represented above has upon its handle a wheel or cross surrounded by a ring which we shall see hereafter was preeminently the symbol of atlantis if we are satisfied that these implements of bronze were the work of the artisans of atlantis or the antediluvians they must acquire additional and extraordinary interest in our eyes and we turn to them to learn something of the habits and customs of that great original broad-eyed sunken race we find among the relics of the bronze age an urn which probably gives us some idea of the houses of the atlanteans it is evidently made to represent a house and shows us even the rude fashion in which they fastened their doors the mandan indian built round houses very much of this appearance the museum at munich contains a very interesting piece of pottery which is supposed to represent one of the lake villages or hamlets of the era when the people of switzerland dwelt in houses erected on piles driven into the bottom of the lakes of that country the accompanying illustration represents it the double spiral ornament upon it shows that it belongs to the bronze age among the curious relics of the bronze age are a number of razor-like knives from which we may conclude that the habit of shaving the whole or some part of the face or head dates back to a great antiquity the illustration below represents them these knives were found in denmark the figures upon them represent ships and it is not impossible that their curious appendages may have been a primitive kind of sails bronze razor knives an examination of the second of these bronze knives reveals a singular feature upon the handle of the razor there are ten series of lines the stars in the sky are ten in number and there are probably ten rings at the left-hand side of the figure two being obliterated there were we are told ten sub-kingdoms in atlantis and precisely as the thirteen stripes on the american flag symbolized the thirteen original states of the union so the recurrence of the figure ten in the emblems upon this bronze implement may have reference to the ten subdivisions of atlantis the large object in the middle of this ship may be intended to represent a palm tree the symbol as we shall see in america of aztlan or atlantis 
we have but to compare the pictures of the ships upon these ancient razor knives with the accompanying representations of a roman galley and a ship of william the conqueror's time to see that there can be no question that they represented the galleys of that remote age they are doubtless faithful portraits of the great vessels which plato described as filling the harbors of atlantis ship of william the conqueror we give on page two hundred and fifty eight a representation of a bronze dagger found in ireland a strongly made weapon the cut below it represents the only implement of the bronze age yet found containing an inscription it has been impossible to decipher it or even to tell to what group of languages its alphabet belongs it is proper to note in connection with the discussion of the bronze age that our word bronze is derived from the basque or iberian broncea from which the spanish derive bronze and the italians bronzo the copper mines of the basques were extensively worked at a very early age of the world either by the people of atlantis or by the basques themselves a colony from atlantis the probabilities are that the name for bronze as well as the metal itself dates back to plato's island i give some illustrations on pages two thirty nine and two forty two of ornaments and implements of the bronze age which may serve to throw light upon the habits of the ancient people it will be seen that they had reached a considerable degree of civilization that they raised crops of grain and cut them with sickles that their women ornamented themselves with bracelets, armlets, earrings, finger-rings, hairpins, and amulets, that their mechanics used hammers, adzes, and chisels, and that they possessed very fair specimens of pottery. Sir John Lubbock argues, Prehistoric Times, pages 14, 16, etc., a new civilization is indicated not only by the mere presence of bronze, but by the beauty and variety of the articles made from it we find not only as before during the stone age axes arrows and knives but in addition swords lances sickles fish-hooks ear-rings bracelets pins rings and a variety of other articles if the bronze implements of europe had been derived from the phoenicians greeks etruscans or romans the nearer we approach the site of those nations the greater should be the number of bronze weapons we would find but the reverse is the case sir john lubbock prehistoric times page twenty shows that more than three hundred and fifty bronze swords have been found in denmark and that the dublin museum contains twelve hundred and eighty three bronze weapons found in ireland while he says i have only been able to hear of six bronze swords in all italy this state of things is inexplicable unless we suppose that ireland and denmark received their bronze implements directly from some maritime nation whose site was practically as near their shores as it was to the shores of the mediterranean we have but to look at our map on page forty three to see that atlantis was considerably nearer to ireland than it was to italy the striking resemblance between the bronze implements found in the different portions of europe is another proof that they were derived from one and the same source from some great mercantile people who carried on their commerce at the same time with denmark norway ireland spain greece italy egypt switzerland and hungary mr wright essays on archaeology page one twenty says whenever we find the bronze swords or celts whether in ireland in the far west and scotland 
in distant Scandinavia, in Germany, or still farther east, in the Slavonic countries, they are the same, not similar in character, but identical. Says Sir John Lubbock, Prehistoric Times, page 59, not only are the several varieties of celts found throughout europe alike but some of the swords knives daggers etc are so similar that they seem as if they must have been cast by the same maker what race was there other than the people of atlantis that existed before the iron age before the greek roman etruscan and phoenician that was civilized that worked in metals that carried on a commerce with all parts of europe does history or tradition make mention of any such we find a great resemblance between the pottery of the bronze age in europe and the pottery of the ancient inhabitants of america the two figures on page two sixty represent vases from one of the mounds of the mississippi valley compare them with the following from the lake dwellings of switzerland vases from switzerland it will be seen that these vases could scarcely stand upright unsupported, and we find that the ancient inhabitants of Switzerland had circles or rings of baked earth in which they placed them when in use, as in the annexed figure. The mound builders used the same contrivance. The illustrations of discoidal stones on page 263 are from the North Americans of Antiquity, page 77. The objects represented there were taken from an ancient mound in Illinois. It would be indeed surprising if two distinct peoples living in two different continents, thousands of miles apart, should, without any intercourse with each other, not only form their vases in the same inconvenient form, but should hit upon the same expedient as a remedy. We observe in the American spearhead and the Swiss hatchets on the opposite page the same overlapping of the metal around the staff, or handle, a very peculiar mode of uniting them together, which is now passed out of use. A favorite design of the men in the Bronze Age in Europe is the spiral or double spiral form. It appears on the face of the urn in the shape of a lake dwelling which was given on page 255. It also appears in the rock sculptures of Argyllshire, Scotland, here shown below. We find the same figure in an ancient fragment of pottery from the Little Colorado, as given in the United States Pacific Railway Survey Report, Volume 3, page 49, Article Pottery. It was part of a large vessel. The annexed illustration represents this. Discoidal Stones, Illinois. Copper Spearhead, Lake Superior bronze hatchets switzerland the same design is also found in ancient rock etchings of the zunis of new mexico of which the cut on page two sixty five is an illustration we also find this figure repeated upon vases from a mississippi valley mound which were given elsewhere it is found upon many of the monuments of central america in the treasure-house of atreus at mycenae greece a fragment of a pillar was found which is literally covered with this double spiral design see rosengarten's architectural styles page fifty nine this treasure-house of atreus is one of the oldest buildings in greece we find the double spiral figure upon a shell ornament found on the breast of a skeleton in a carefully constructed stone coffin in a mound near nashville tennessee le normand remarks ancient civilization volume two page one fifty eight 
that the bronze implements found in egypt near memphis had been buried for six thousand years and that at that time as the egyptians had a horror of the sea some commercial nation must have brought the tin of which the bronze was in part composed from india the caucasus or spain the nearest points to egypt in which tin is found here has shown that the civilized plants of the lake dwellings were not of asiatic but of african and to a great extent of egyptian origin their stone axes are made largely of jade or nephrite a mineral which strange to say geologists have not found in place on the continent of europe foster's prehistoric races page forty four compare this picture of a copper axe from a mound near laporte indiana with this representation of a copper axe of the bronze age found near waterford ireland professor foster pronounces them almost identical compare this specimen of pottery from the lake dwellings of switzerland with the following specimen from san jose mexico professor foster calls attention to the striking resemblance in the design of these two widely separated works of art one belonging to the bronze age of europe the other to the copper age of america illustration fragment of pottery lake neufchatel switzerland fragment of pottery san jose mexico these then in conclusion are our reasons for believing that the bronze age of europe has relation to atlantis one the admitted fact that it is anterior in time to the iron age relegates it to a great antiquity two the fact that it is anterior in time to the iron age is conclusive that it is not due to any of the known european or asiatic nations all of which belong to the iron age three the fact that there was in europe asia or africa no copper or tin age prior to the bronze age is conclusive testimony that the manufacture of bronze was an importation into these continents from some foreign country four the fact that in america alone of all the world is found the copper age which must necessarily have preceded the bronze age teaches us to look to the westward of europe and beyond the sea for that foreign country five we find many similarities in forms of implements between the bronze age of europe and the copper age of america six if plato told the truth the atlanteans were a great commercial nation trading to america and europe and at the same time they possessed bronze and were great workers in the other metals seven we shall see hereafter that the mythological traditions of greece referred to a bronze age which preceded an iron age and placed this in the lands of the gods which was an island in the atlantic ocean beyond the pillars of hercules and this land was as we shall see clearly atlantis eight as we find but a small development of the bronze age in america it is reasonable to suppose that there must have been some intermediate station between america and europe where during a long period of time the bronze age was developed out of the copper age and immense quantities of bronze implements were manufactured and carried to europe end of part three chapter eight recording by mark applestott parlin new jersey